Welcome to Robot Kraken, where the standard nerd duo of Chris of Deeply Dapper and Tom of Third Rail Design Lab talk about movies, shows, comics, entertainment news, and general miscellany. This is a continuation of our 11th episode, where we started in on a lengthy discussion about how we liked and disliked Batman vs. Superman Rise of Justice. Without further ado, on with the show. I think it's time for some positives. Okay. Uh, like my like my uh, Siri uh, uh, reminder item uh, butchered for me when it said Batman v Superman is <laughs> dot 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 parentheses dramatic pause parentheses. <laughs> I have some I have some positives. Do you? I I actually really like Luthor. The problem <sighs> is it just wasn't the Lex Luthor that we're used to seeing or expected or deserved. However, I liked his pres- I liked his presentation of a Musk slash Jobs, you know, whatever tech brilliant tech guy who's completely falling apart. I love that he fell apart during his speech; that he couldn't even hold it together for his speech. And I love that he devolves and devolves to the point where, in the end, he's just got space madness. And I think. They intended to show – I feel like they intended that he went over the edge when he was touched by – like he was touched by madness by tu- by integrating into the Kryptonian computer. That mm-hmm. it was like it was too much. And I think even more based on some of the deleted scenes that they showed later, I think that he <clears> – <throat> it was sort of a Lovecraftian thing. He was oh, – his eyes were open to the real world and it was too much for him and he cracked. <laughs> but I really enjoyed watching – jesse eisenberg in that performance i wanted to watch him i wanted to listen to him i wanted to see him make mistakes verbal tics i wanted him and and i've seen the criticisms of him as being there's no substance to it but to me he was one of the most interesting performances in that film he just wasn't the 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 luthor who's you know again just like batman wasn't you know cunningly going after superman and planning 10 steps ahead and right leading leading a billion dollar companies and soon to be president and all that stuff he wasn't that luthor at all well and that's i mean i didn't like him at all i i need to preface that <laughs> specifically i could not stand him as lex luthor and one of my major complaints of that character and the way he was portrayed in that is that had he been any smarter than he was in this, there's no way anyone would have beat him because Batman was just a thug in this movie. Yeah, and yeah. Superman didn't his, know what he was doing. His plan didn't make any sense. His plan didn't make any sense at all. It didn't. He, it, the he only time that plan made any sense is if he knew who both of those people were already. But he pitted them against each other, but then he also released Doomsday before they had even right. completed their battle. And then he had no way of reining it in again. Yeah. And so it was just like he was destroying the world. That was his plan. It didn't make any sense. No. But I'm just saying the, per- the performance, I liked it. You didn't. I'm saying if you took Luther's name off and made him some other character, right? I would I have been that, totally okay with it. <laughs> I think he would have been interesting. Yeah, he would I have been a great fact, Joker instead of Luther. <laughs> right, and that's some of the criticism is that they Joker him too much. But, I mean, I think that if you were to take the, our, our expectations of what Luther is supposed to be away from this and you put it as 
here's a guy, nutty, just fruity as a loom, and completely focused on taking down Superman, and he's going to use all these tools to do it, and he does not have a way out because it's a suicide mission for him. Like, he doesn't care. It doesn't. None of this matters. He's completely – because a psychopath doesn't care. A psychopath doesn't have an exit strategy, right? Right. So if you establish that about the character and, and say, okay, he's going to do everything and anything, and it doesn't even make sense just to get to hurt the people he wants to hurt, and he's he's trying to hold it together, and he can't even hold it together long enough to see his plans work – I find that compelling. I think that's a legitimate rationale for, or a legitimate motivations for a supervillain. Well, and it just I don't wasn't Luthor. I don't disagree with that, but for them to take one of the only characters in these worlds that isn't that type of character and turn them into that type of character, yeah. I'm not even beholden to the DC universe, but that's insulting. Right? No, I get it. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about, like, the one character in the DC Universe that has his shit together and isn't nutso in the buttso. And they're like, let's take him and turn him into the crazy, insane person that's going to do everything he can to destroy this, despite not really having any real solid motivation. And... Not really even any indication that he's capable of running the business that he's doing, let alone coming up with any kind of elaborate plans and worldwide searches for things that could destroy but things. Was, but that was pretty dead on, though. His The early stuff where he's just sort of waltzing around his complex in sneakers and <clears throat> seems completely unprofessional and like random douchey guy who happens to be running a billion-dollar company or whatever, that's, that's a fairly uh, – um, legitimate takedown of Silicon Valley. I mean, yeah, but it's not... almost like too on the nose for me. Yeah. They're oh, just like, oh, look, it's the stereotype. Ha ha! Right. <laughs> evil, evil jobs. Well, um, uh, however, I think that the contemporary, the, the older, like the older Luthor was not a good analog for this, but the contemporary Let's say the last 30 years, and I, and I get the comics went all over the place. He was the president, and right. he's been in empowered armor and all this other crap. But the bottom line is my mental image of him is that he and Batman are the same, with but with the exception that Luthor is um, a megalomaniac mm-hmm. and Batman was a psychopath. Right. right. Like in the contemporary world, Batman is – you know, completely driven by this sort of image of himself, like he's just this completely consumed. Not maybe it's some hybrid between the comics and the film, but my mental image of Batman is someone. He's he's this driven, this weird, driven, vigilante, brilliant guy who plays at being Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. but is really not right. Right. But but Luthor is that smart and that driven in his hatred. The difference is he's super, super ego, right? Right. And that's something – that's a version of that character we have yet to see. Even for all the things that Kevin Spacey got right, he still felt small. Absolutely. Compared to the version of Luthor that I can see in my head where he just is so full of himself. Right. Like deep down, he's so offended that you would oppose him. I mean you in a way – I almost feel like the portrayal of Kingpin in the most recent Daredevil mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. what 
Luthor should have been in this film, or in a an accurate portrayal of Luthor, I guess I should say. And he could, because that's what they did with Kingpin, is they right. made Kingpin... They Lutherized Kingpin. Right. Yeah, you give him a much larger business that's legitimate on the side of all of his kingpinning. You've got Luthor, basically. Yeah, the 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 Daredevil, the Netflix Daredevil Luthor is, I mean, uh, Kingpin is, does bring that part of him in that the comics Kingpin never really had. King, right. The comics Kingpin was, um, you know, some of the really good... Uh, you know Bendis Malieve stories, right? Were they really they really fleshed out his character and made him very interesting? But but by and large, in the course of his story, he is he has been a mob boss, absolutely, right? and exclusively a mob boss. He right. they never added any nuance to that or anything like that, and he didn't necessarily need it. Even in like the Bendis Malieve stuff, that was really an in depth, gorgeous story in a lot of ways. They didn't need to expand out into the the kingpin that stares into the white painting and contemplates his own existence, kind of thing. It wasn't necessary, really. Caviar on the cereal, you know? Yeah. Um, keeping on the positive, listen, I think Wonder Woman completely stole this movie. Absolutely. Without question, I have almost zero complaints about Wonder Woman. When she showed up, I mean, even I wasn't even in the big, the packed uh, theater full of yahoos that are all fired up that are screaming about every scene. Right. But in the theater I was in, people jumped out of their seats when she showed up with that <laughs> ele- the electric violin soundtrack. Right. And piles in and what i loved about her was not just i mean we saw plenty of her standing with the sword and crouching. i just loved how physical she was yeah yeah she She jumped and dove and struck (laughs) i would like to know where she stored her sword and shield since she had like carry on that's a very very good question yeah it's not like the plane's like oh hold on let us get your checked baggage out for you the one that has the sword in it But she, from beginning to end, uh, presented a character. She presented that Wonder Woman character in a way that I've always wanted. She was. It wasn't just that she stood up to those male characters. She mm-hmm. was superior to them. Oh, absolutely. And, and she was a better detective old. than the world's greatest detective in this. <laughs> yeah, she's 100 years old, right? She's like, I've seen <laughs> right. all of this over again. Um, I thought it was. I, I thought she was so compelling, and, and the, physically, she looked. She looked really cool, but in. And, and, you know, she has that – I guess she has a ultra-sharp magical sword because she cut Doomsday's arm right, off. Right, just sliced his arm um, right off, yeah. Just, it, not just in her presence and, you know, standing around and whatever and all that stuff, but also just in her in her dialogue and in her delivery, she really read as someone who was not of their world. And right. And not at all beholden to the, to the societal structure that they're in. Like right. It's all she's an astronaut, right? Right. And that's always what I thought was interesting about that character. She is an astronaut. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was pretty clear in this that like the way she was played, she seemed so much wiser and smarter than pretty much everybody else in the movie. Like like just even just that scene on the plane where she's like she sees the news footage and she's like I've met both of these guys. They are not going to make it through this. Right. <laughs> I'd better go save their asses. 
I think I think it was interesting that um, and also that's like the coolest Wonder Woman costume that's ever been. I still really to good. Get my, I'm yeah. still trying to get through my drawing of it because it's very complicated. But yeah. It, it, it looks really good on screen. It's one of the best super superhero comics store or, uh, designs uh, changed for the screen. Yeah, like it doesn't look like directly like anything that we've seen before, but it fits so well. Yeah. all the way down to the details of how the the sort of skirt armor uh, has the cut so that she can crouch and stuff. I mean, right. every, every little detail about it, I loved. I love that costume. Yeah, it's it it looks so much better on film in motion than it did in like the promotional stills and stuff and i was really surprised by that it creeps me out that hot toys or whoever it was did that one-to-one scale um, yeah that was creepy someone some very very wealthy business person has that in their house and i don't like that yeah uh, <laughs> i thought it was odd that Zack snyder created a jimmy olsen didn't give him any dialogue that identified him and then killed him was jimmy in that i didn't even yeah. see that He's credited as the cameraman in the desert that gets taken out. Really? Mm-hmm. That's a terrible Jimmy Olsen. And there's a question Olsen. about whether he's CIA or just right. the account. And yet, does that mean that he was the brother of Jenny Olsen at the Daily Planet? I don't right. Know. See, and that's but my real question there. He's and done some – Zack Snyder's done some interviews where he's like, we just thought it would be cool to kill him. I thought it was pretty funny. But I'm like, wow, that's not That's doing asinine. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that it, that really defeats so much too, because like that scene in particular was probably one of the weakest scenes in the movie, in terms of it not making any sense and not really fitting anything with the story necessarily, and for them to be like, "Oh, that was Jimmy Olsen, ha <laughs> killed." You didn't even buy that she was there to do an inter- legitimate interview with a not a even warrior. remotely. The entire thing felt awkward and like a weird setup. She just showed up, and you think it's like a you think it's a setup because it is a setup. Yeah. In in the first movie, they gave you a sense that she was actually slowly tracking him down. Right. Like interviewing people and following leads and and following instincts and working her way into something that was going to put her in harm's way. Here, it was sort of like she just showed up. And right? she is just she had nothing to do in this movie except show up, get into peril, show up, get into peril. Splash around in a bathtub, get into peril. <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was really disappointing to me because Lois Lane's always been a character that I've really liked. And I thought Amy Adams would be such a great choice for her because I don't, have you ever seen Mrs. Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day? I love that movie. She's oh, so great. Oh my God, she's amazing in that. And it just, just thinking of that movie makes me think of what a great, like, 40s style photography type. Amelia, she was Amelia Earhart in, uh, in Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah I wanted she, to see Lois be that type of character. Uh, setting aside that I really want Lois to be a, um, you know, sort of like a brunette, like a really sharp New York brunette right. type. Right. I don't know. Right. That's just my bias. But also... The one thing I did like that she did this time was I bought – I really bought that she felt very uncomfortable with the idea that she was more important than all these other people in the world to him. I did like that. She, she's she's dating she's dating Jesus and right. Jesus puts her first. Right. And that's a really terrible – so even though he never – she never asked for it, she was carrying guilt right. over his attention. And I thought that was interesting because I've always wondered, you know, going back to just the comics where they got married and all that, I always wondered if she thought when they're having their like Friday night movie night. Right. And, 
and there's genocide in Africa, does she feel guilty that he's not out there doing something? Right. Right. So they at least alluded to that. And I felt like she conveyed that in an effective way. Otherwise, she didn't have a lot to do in the film. Yeah. Which was yeah. And the few things she did do in the film were stupid things. Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, and then that whole that whole uh, weird flash thing where he jumped forward and said, "You know, she's the key, whatever." And then in the end, in the story, it was Martha Wayne. Right. Was it was almost exclusively Kent. like she's the key to, to having her. an excuse for exposition. <laughs> I guess his look his look seemed like a nod to Flashpoint or that um, justice it, like injustice right game or something like yeah definitely it was like a like a future armored Flash coming yeah. from apocalyptic you know uh, timeline or whatever and I thought that was interesting but then they didn't do anything with it right it was um, it seemed really out of place to me Superman's mournful death did not feel earned to me we had a few no. positives. I had a positive that you didn't agree with. Um, now we're back. <laughs> His mournful death did not feel earned at all. Did yeah? It eighty uh, percent of the country seemed to hate him, and Except then for the Mexicans. Mexicans liked it, right? The Mexicans liked Superman, just like Morrissey. Eighty percent of the world hates him. The Mexicans love him, <laughs> and yet for some reason they had this big super like oh. When did they build that statue for him anyway? Like they built that big fancy memorial park and yet everybody hated Superman. Because the film couldn't establish enough that this was a – just like we're seeing in the real world today, that there's a vocal minority of haters, (laughs) xenophobic, racist, miserable, unintelligent people that – get a disproportionate amount of screen time right. and make it seem like this is what everyone in the world thinks, <laughs> whether it's domestically or even overseas, right? Right. We are, that's what they presented in this film because that was the, the shorthand on the three-hour movie. Right. They didn't, have time, they didn't have time to show the complexity of the problem. They just showed a bunch of haters and that was the end of it. Man. <laughs> so so, so the, the death was not earned and frankly no. – the dual sets of bagpipes and an open casket and, oh, those was just and all the terrible drama made no sense to me but also uh some commenter raised it said something just cracked me i almost crashed when i heard this he said of all the things say what you will about luthor say what you will about uh doomsday say what you will about you know the battle and all this other stuff who the hell puts a cheese plate within five feet of an open casket <laughs> That just killed me, man. That's I loved it. awesome. So, KG Beast was apparently in this film. Apparently. Yeah, the guy. So, they just have it by the character's name, the real name. But that's the that's the, that's the the guy that in contemporary comics is KG Beast. And then in Dark Knight Returns has gone, you know, whatever, right. full tilt. Um, and he has the same dialogue in Death as in the comic, which I didn't even oh, remember. Really? But, yeah. Hmm. Um, I also thought it was strange that they introduced Mercy – was straight out of the animated series, like all the animated canon around the Justice League okay. as being one of Luthor's right hand, um, you know. Oh, uh, right, right. Met, met, met a bodyguard types. And then she's, you know. What happened to Luthor in the film? He went to he went to prison, remember? He's at the end. He's all oh, yeah, being super annoying. Yeah. But uh, that scene was uh, terrible, by the way. 
<laughs> where he's like think, screaming and shaved head and then Batman appears and he's like mur, 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 mur. and then it's like oh wait he's in jail again <laughs> you're right it was odd um, <laughs> as much as none of the sequence in the Senate hearings should have like you know he shouldn't have fallen for that and the guy shouldn't have gotten in right. the detectives and I mean just mundane court hearings you can't get a bomb in a wheelchair and right so, nonetheless, the emotional effect and the style of that scene with, you know, that her looking down at the, at the jar of urine and realizing mm. and trying to get through her her speech and not being barely, you know, that whole sequence, that scene, I thought was very powerful. I really enjoyed yeah. it. It was horrible. Yeah. Um, it was horrible in the sense that I, it was interesting to me that what was effectively a domestic terrorism attack, you know, the whole building blows up, everybody dies, and he's just standing there like, ah. Right. Um, I thought that was effective. Yeah, it was not logical at all in a lot of ways. But, yeah, it was a, it was a good scene, definitely. There were a lot of other ways they could have gener- they could have engineered the means by which they lure him to a public place and then blow up that place. Right. And sent a hearing to do it. Yeah. It was just such an obscenely elaborate way of getting that there and doing it in a way that realistically you don't even know. Like, it's not like Bruce Wayne's ever like, Oh, that was my fault. Cause that guy was in the wheelchair kind of thing. Right. And, um, the symbolism was there on paper, but it didn't make it didn't read in the story. Right when everybody's exploded and dead, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> all they needed was a uh, Terminator style complete skeletons. Right, right. <laughs> I thought it was neat that um, Man Bat was in one of his dream sequences. Right. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, I thought it was neat that they echoed the swimming around in the swimming pool with the kryptonite on your neck. I've always felt that was a visual <laughs> image and it was funny that they kind of found a way to emulate that in this yeah <clears throat> um the cyborg birthing scene yeah what I did you think of the other jlis in this I, so ezra you know drugstore footage was perfectly reasonable mm-hmm. um although odd you know of course it goes into like high res they could have kept it blurry right. like uh, m night did in signs where you just see a blurry the blurry uh, alien passed the Mexican birthday party. Yeah. Um, that was perfectly effective. Yeah, I thought that one get... was pretty good. It, his suit was a little, the, the like you said, the icon that, that Lex had made up for. It's awfully prescient considering it yeah, will match his suit that he's wearing. <laughs> well, yeah, in that continuity, he doesn't have a suit yet. Right. right. So lame. Um, the... The Aquaman thing was really for all the hubbub about it. In the end, he just sits there and stares at a on a an underwater like a sub right a sub for a while and then swims away. That was weird. Yeah, well, and he uh, like used some sort of aqua thing to push it back at the yeah, like. Yeah. But yeah, I, I thought he looked really good. But... Super currents. He's super currents. <laughs> right. <laughs> the cyborg thing was really awkward because I didn't. I don't even like that character. Yeah. In any context i don't i don't care i don't care in the dcu and especially if i imagine okay so if then if the nerds go to this movie and are pissed about all the things that they didn't do to align with what they expect and then if you consider the average moviegoer who doesn't isn't really into comics right what are they supposed to get out of that scene yeah it's they don't even understand nothing. why there's a, half a guy strapped to the desk 
And why is the guy who created Skynet? <laughs> right. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of when I saw that too. I'm like, where do I know that guy is a scientist from? <laughs> and, and, and also, like, where did he get a mother box? Right. right. Like, nothing about that made any sense. Yeah, it was really, really awkward to me. So there was a deleted scene. Did you see it that um, that they posted after the movie came out? Called I haven't Community. seen any of that. Okay, so in this scene, it's sort of like pieced together from some of the events. I think it's after, it appears to be after uh, Luthor has hatched Doomsday with his cockamamie blood fusion, <laughs> whatever. Right. And it kind of shows him like looking down or into some sort of image. And there's this crazy, I, I want to say Lovecraftian, but there's this sort of image of a really tall a really tall and ominous giant shouldered huge like winged helmet kind of thing all black creature who's got really long arms and is holding two mother boxes really and and he's like oh and his nose is bleeding or whatever it is and weird you know, the, the impression i get was that that was an early peek at either dark seed Dark side or dark seed? I don't know what DC calls I, I call him dark side, but that's just since I've been a kid, so I have no idea what the cor- yeah. correct pronunciation is. He was created suspiciously, you know, hmm. right, at a certain time when Darth Vader was around. Anyway, right. um, I, I, you know, I, I got the impression either that's a sneak peek that he's seeing. Well, ultimately, I think it was him seeing, oh, by the way, this is coming and you're hmm. all screwed. And by and, and all the stuff that you're screwing with doesn't matter because this is what's really happening. By the way, hmm. you know, the, these, the Kryptonian ship's sensors are picking this thing happening and you're about to be screwed. And then he went nutty seeing it. But I don't know whether it was supposed to be that he was seeing Darkseid or he was seeing a Darkseid agent. I don't know. Right. But I have to say it was a part of – it was kind of a missing link in the film because he does go batty so to speak, at the end. And he's right. even saying, like, when you see what's coming, you know, you'll be... Right. <laughs> Which made absolutely sleep. no sense in yeah, context. It had no context, right? Right. This, this little deleted scene was actually pretty cool. It kind of suggested one way or the other he saw something that was crazy. That's interesting. So, anyway, so I was thinking, how could this film have been tightened up? What could you have done to make this a better film? So here's what I thought. Different Lex Luthor? <laughs> yes. So first of all, I think you needed to eliminate the Bat Vigilante versus Kryptonian concept. Yes. I think that that entire thing was a nice idea. It doesn't work. Yeah, it would have been the- fine if they had taken Batman investigating and finding out more about Superman, but not, I must destroy him kind of thing. Well, yeah, that it's an alien, an alien threat that I can't control, so I right. must kill it. Right, right. Um, I think that ooh, I'm getting some feedback. I'm, are you hearing feedback? Just feedback my, about the movie from you. My <laughs> words are so cool. My <laughs> words are so sassy and savvy that they're coming back around. It's the multiverse. There's a super super future flash coming back. There's at me. there's three guys standing behind you. Oh. One of them's bald and <laughs> oh, wait a minute. He's it's wearing he's... so so. Check this out. You have Luthor arm batman like he's the way that batman gets the bigger toys and the more the the super buster stuff right he lets batman think he's getting it on his own but luther's actually arming him right trick trick him into thinking soups is responsible for his parents death 
because we have to have the parents in there. Right. We gotta have the elaborate scene and all that stuff. And when you boil it down, was it just me that had never realized they had the same name? I never realized it either. It and never... there was so much made. There's been a lot made about the whole like the gun pulling the the beads and or the pearls and right. how how like overly dramatic it was. But that was straight out of the comics. I oh mean, well, and it. it is. It's straight out of the comics, and it's very Zack Snyder at the same time. It is, and we did not need to see another version of that <laughs> the origin. However, no, I think though that uh, parents' death in defines Batman's weaknesses in the same way that Superman's caring for his parents and loved ones right his weakness because caring for people is 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 weakness right right so if luther armed batman and tricked him into thinking soups are responsible for his parents death while at the same time tricking soups into thinking batman was a villain right uh, who was holding lois lane hostage right, right. engineered it so each one thought they were fighting for their own families mm-hmm. and he did all this and he needs a motivation right Beyond his, like, whatever, his irrational hatred of his own. Right. His whole function for doing this was to prove to the government that metahumans are out of control. Yes. And by the way, and this is straight out of one of the best modern Iron Man storylines. By the way, I've also cooked up a metahuman <laughs> creature that can put them in check. Exactly. That I control, that I can sell to the government. So you now have your own metahuman police in the form of a doomsday well, you know, pre-mutation right. Doomsday, that is a motivation that I would buy. And but it would have a, made the movie a significantly better movie in a thousand different ways. They didn't ask me. No, it's, sadly. It's and, you know, the sad thing is that had it been comic book Lex, Lex Luthor, he would have come up with your idea. <laughs> so, that's right. He wants to convince the government that the soups are out of con- that the metahumans are out of control, even if Batman's not technically a metahuman, but he's a cape, right? He, so he, safe, right? Well, and for all intents and purposes, nobody knows whether he's metahuman or not. That's true. But he wants to, if he were to be wanting to convince the world governments that they they needed their own protect, they needed their own supers to to police the supers, right? Which in, in effect was what that hearing was about, right? Right. Um, but then the process gets mutated when he accesses the archives that deep with his brain that his brain is not meant to handle. So when he actually tried to create the doomsday, it got it got deformed because he couldn't communicate effectively with like he couldn't <clears throat> he couldn't. Mer- it's like, you know, the, the in- interspecies sex problem, right? Like he he couldn't communicate with the, the Kryptonian computer effectively. And he went insane. And that's why it mutated the the design for the. You know, which is really veering more towards Bizarro Superman than it is right. Doomsday. But <clears throat> and that happening, creating Doomsday, mm-hmm. if you have to have it, right? See, because I hate it. <laughs> Doing that somehow alerts Darkseid to Earth's presence, right? And that, that kind of power, or maybe Doom, maybe Doom, maybe Darkseid has been feeding on the powers, uh, you know, or whatever of sentient races, and has been feeding on Kryptonians. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's one more, and it's on Earth, <laughs> right? That's straight back. I know that goes right back to Robotech, right? The whole, you know, <laughs> right? The, the, ding, ding, the ding. Invid, the invid detect protocol and coming to gas. I don't know, but it, I think that would have been a much more effective plot point. Also, it would have been Superman could have been uh, neutered by his voluntary reduction uh, in his interactions in the world and his inter- in his in his interference and in things like if right. he. 
if we went the the route of Ender's Game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Speaker for the Dead, right? The idea right. that he, in the wake of that Metropolis battle, if he were to pull back and be like, okay, I need to, st- I'm not going to, I got to stop. Well, and that would have made him such a more relatable character for the viewer, too. Having him actually realize what he'd done was destructive and outside of his ability to control, but also actually have some real human emotion about how he feels about it. Instead, he's just like, oh, I'll canoodle with the girlfriend and maybe appear at some hearings kind of thing. He just It wasn't a relatable reaction at all. I, I would buy that he, while not guilting himself about the destruction, right. that he would say, I can't – it's the kind of Iron Man in Civil War in a way, right? Like I yeah. can't trust myself not to cause problems like right. this or allow them to happen as a target right. to my loved ones and to the people that I want to protect. So Superman going pacifist would have been – I mean you think that the nerd rage on this movie now is – Annoying. <laughs> it would have been doubly annoying if he was refusing to fight and he was just kind of standing there where things were binging off, dinging off of his chest, or whatever. Which I think that would have been interesting. Was one of the major complaints with the first with Man of Steel, though, too, was that whole "I'm going to grow my hair out and be a hippie on an oil rig" <laughs> thing. And way, oh, I'm not going to save my dad. <laughs> what was the uh, what was up with this one where he randomly? put on a parka he didn't need and went hiking in the Arctic and you think he's going to make a fortress of solitude. And then, and then he has a vision of his dad. Yeah, he being, says he sees ghost Costner. He sees ghost Costner building a little rock formation. <laughs> I suppose Snyder was like, hey, it'll be the fortress of solitude, but it's not bro. Right. Yeah. And then he has another sort of uncomfortable story about how you shouldn't stick your neck out. And then, and then that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I really like Costner as, Uncle Ben, I mean, whatever. <laughs> what? As Pa Kent, but they used him so poorly in this movie. It's just ridiculous. Both movies, really. He's not the Pa Kent that Superman needs to become Superman, but particularly Ghost Costner giving some pithy down-home advice on the top of a mountain in the middle of nowhere. It was just silly. I, di- I didn't like that they didn't um, explain that. Yeah. Even had it been, uh, you know, they even could have had a fortress of solitude scenario where he build puts the crystal in or something and it right. the thing, and it taps. I know in the last movie they did that same sort of thing on the ship and they had the AI patterned off his dad right. motivational tips, which was lame. But in this one, had it been that he just is in, you know, maybe it creates a, a, a chamber where he gets to meditate a bit. Right. Know, like some sort of thing where you get to, it's a Kryptonian technique to think about your shit, right? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. And even like, just ow. a little bit of a, a dream, I mean, yeah, like a meditation slash nightmare type thing where he has a little bit of relatable feelings about what's happening and it translates into him talking to his dad in a dream kind of thing. God, you know, God forbid we have, a, you know, an alien cultural uh you know, process that is not fully explained. But if he was sitting there and both of his daddies were giving him a hard time, that would be a great way of him (laughs) saying, well, and I frankly love Kevin Costner as Paul Kent. I think he's an incredibly watchable guy, but they didn't utilize him very well. Yeah, I think Costner Um, and Lane were actually great casting choices for both of those roles. The the other thing about the big battle, um, I think that you need to establish that he can't see through lead. 
Yeah, they never and, once mention it then, in this movie. I think that you would need, in my version, you would need to establish that Luther has figured it out by watching footage of him or studying him and realizing right. that he, why didn't he see those guys standing behind the thing? Oh, the right. People, they're standing behind, you know, such and such. And you see what I mean? Like he figures yeah. it out. But Superman doesn't know he can't see through lead. He doesn't know what he doesn't know. Or he doesn't right. Really think about it. So then it could be about, then this whole uh, artifice about luring him in battle. Right. And about luring him into a lead chamber. Right. There's a where there's a bomb made of kryptonite. If there was a kryptonite bomb in a lead chamber that he's lured into. Right. And and Batman's retreating and he's he's following him in and then it goes off. Right. Now I now I buy now I buy the way the battle goes. I buy the fact that he has vulnerabilities that are exploited and I buy the use of the kryptonite. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many little aspects like that that it just had they put a little more thought into each individual thing instead of paying attention to the big picture fancy scene that it's got to lead to, it would have made a lot more sense on that kind of thing. Like, I genuinely have no idea how Luther figured out who Clark Kent is. Yeah, that was yeah. I for the life of me, I can't figure out how he knew. <laughs> I um I have to say though going back to the beginning I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it while I was watching it and I felt like there were holes and things didn't make sense but I didn't really care. Yeah. And then like I was aware of it but I was like that's fine. Yeah. And then it was all this it's thinking about it afterwards and listening to people talk about it and going through it in my mind that it falls apart more and more and more. And I think if you kind of go back and say well that's okay. It right. is what it is. Right. It was never going to be Shakespeare. It was always going to be sort of a you know, a a a a pretty fractured attempt at making this thing happen. Right. And I think the more fundamental question is: Did we need a Batman versus Superman movie with Doomsday and the death of Superman folded into it, no. creating Justice League? No. No. We could but, have happily used maybe three movies. Right. <laughs> That's exactly my point. I think we've had three or four movies with those themes, and it would have because right now, what are we looking at? What we're seeing is. Uh, we're going to lead right into the formation of a two-part Justice League movie that goes straight to the end with Darkseid? Which I don't understand. Like, So Superman's dead. Wonder Woman and Bruce Wayne are just kind of chilling in Kansas. Because why not? Yep. Um, Aquaman's still Aquaman underwater somewhere. Cyborg's uninteresting and whatever. And The Flash is just a guy that can run fast in the grocery store. All this premise of the Justice League fighting an, an extinction-level event in the form of Darkseid makes no sense unless you're dealing with decades upon decades of comic history where the, where the Super Friends or Justice League have fought every scale of villain. Exactly. And now this is the finally the one that beats them. And in that context, you accept that there's a guy running fast and there's a guy who controls water and animals and there's a woman with a truth neck truth lasso do you know what i'm saying like she didn't even use the lasso in this it's very sad yes, that's right so like in this story though we're supposed to accept that somehow he's gonna get all these people together because they exist right gather, gather them they exist on a file right and and then we're just gonna step right into big bad armageddon apparently which somehow requires which somehow requires the earth to be 
uh, you know, saved by this little motley crew. It right. doesn't even make sense. It, well, I, particularly if we're talking about these these specific members of the Justice League, I can't fathom how most of them have anything to do with Dark Side. I mean, okay, so you got a guy that can run fast. You have a robot. You have a fish guy. I mean, what in the world are they going to do against Darkseid regardless of what the convoluted reason of them getting together is? And all the parademons and all that other stuff. Right. Uh, in the in all of that um, animated uh, sort of that animated mini movie for Injustice mm-hmm. video game that came out, which was George Miller, right? Right. George Miller. George Miller. Tim. No. George Miller. George Miller's Mad Max. So Tim so Miller. Tim Miller, yeah. So Tim Miller did that before he did Deadpool, right? He did that animated thing for Injustice. Okay? Right. So in that thing, you are seeing a future world where all of these formerly sort of dopey superheroes, they've all been sort of hardened by years of apocalyptic wartime against the other civilians and all of these things they those schemes have happened and the world has fallen apart and the civilians are gone and they're all sort of armored up and hardened and military okay those justice that justice league i can see dealing with a dark side level threat absolutely right the Looney Tunes in the file folders, though, not so much. <laughs> right, right, it's not even right. Really rational, rational. Well, and right. we're talking about a group of people that have not only experience dealing with all sorts of different threats, but experience working together as a team, and at least some sort of vague logic in how they would ever deal with a multi-dimensional threat like that in the first place. Unless this movie is basically like Lex Luthor breaking out and being nutso in the butso again. I don't know how how these guys are going to fight anybody else. It's just, it seems silly to me. All of their powers, with the exception of Superman and sort of Wonder Woman, are very terrestrial powers. They are. None of them can survive. It's just weird to me. And also, most likely, you would think the use of the powers is the lo- is the least important part. It's these personalities with their experience and right. their sheer vision to defend the Earth that would lead them in, to be in a position to fight an existential threat like that, which we have not seen them earn yet. Now, that said, we don't actually know that Justice League is going to start with Darkseid coming and kicking butt. It could which be is an true. entirely different story that leads up to that. And it's the same thing as infinity war with marvel it's hard for me to imagine the shenanigans with ant-man and whatever all of a sudden it's (laughs) thanos right and i think it's going to be about how we connect the dots from those from a to z that's going to make it interesting yeah i agree i'm not particularly enthused about the infinity war concept because the all of the you know uh, i guess existential space action in marvel that was my least that was i it was I, ludicrous. I yeah, right. Yeah. And I was perfectly happy with that being Guardians of the Galaxy t- domain. Right. Just give them all the space stuff that Fox didn't get with Fantastic Four. That would have been fine. If I have to have Black Widow against Thanos, I guess I'll take it. Yeah, but it doesn't make any sense at all. It. Yeah. it's Anytime you, you bring in the space god for them to fight it just it there's so many of the characters that should just be crushed like bugs or go all quaid style on mars kind of thing i mean 
how does the Flash exist in any kind of space battle, even with a cool helmet? I mean, it's just silly. It's... <laughs> what does God need of a starship? Right. <laughs> well, anyway, so, yeah, we picked it apart, and I still think we're not as negative as a lot of the reviews, which are just, you know, it's the worst thing ever, and how can right. we do this? And, you know, I still had fun. Well, we didn't you even know, talk about the fact that he scrapped a car to the back of the... The, the Batmobile is spun it around behind him like he just got married, but it's filled with paste skeletons or whatever. That was so odd. He, he did so much destruct, wanton destruction in that scene. And, of course, the best scene in the entire movie should have been the first act. Instead, it was in the third act. Which right. Was him busting out that, that whole thing of him going to bust out Martha. That yeah, that was the one was like showstopper, the definitely. Well, it was like the best Batman we've ever seen on film, and we yeah. could have had that at the beginning, and it would have really told us this is this is the Batman of this world, right? And instead, we got him sort of hiding in the, you know, <laughs> hiding in the right. corner. Oh, <laughs> can't see me. <laughs> somehow, what, what bothered me about that was this twenty-year veteran Batman. First of all, would have been seen over twenty years, and second right. of all, he's got no time for hiding from sheriffs. You know, yeah, he's just crouched up in the corner. He's like, "I hope they don't have flashlights." I know. Expect him to just be like, you know, put the gun down, right? Back outside, right? Right? <laughs> exactly. Even as anyway. a rookie cop living in Metropolis or Gotham, you know who the Batman is, and thing, you're like, it's a good thing that Metropolis or whatever that island between them or whatever was entirely unpopulated. And well, Metropolis was entirely unpopulated. Yeah, there was that that throwaway sign, line where he's like, "It's the docks. There's no one's on the docks." It's, aside from you know when I went to the docks and got that boat that was clearly working on the docks in that busy dock. <laughs> <laughs> Sort of like, okay, critics, there's no one there, okay? <laughs> right. Don't worry. Is... It's like in G.I. Joe where they jump out of the tank when the tank blows up. <laughs> yes. Everyone will be fine. Shoot the lasers up in the sky, right? The two different colored lasers for the different foes. Right. Um, this was the part where I was trying to end on a high note and say it was still fun, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, fun, yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? The whole thing, and we've, we've said this before about other projects, but it really didn't – it did feel to me while I was watching it that I was seeing the – player's mental image of a superhero role-playing game <laughs> that was light on plot and heavy on improv and battle. Right. Because that's what it felt like to me. It was the story being generated by the player's mind's eye yeah. of a very loose connect connective tissue threading them from one from the rationale to fight one person over the next. That's what right. it felt like to me. Yeah. In the same way that Deadpool felt like a role-playing game, but it that one felt like the one where everyone's a little bit uh, drunk right. and really and really <laughs> random and laughing and screwing around and everyone's having a great time and they're all like, I can't believe how absurd it is and it's still, they keep rolling 20s. You know? Right. That, that's what Deadpool felt like. This felt like just, you know... Like a like a bat, like a really simple uh, adventure module that's you fighting one after the other, right? And for that, for for what it was, that was perfectly fine, right? It's just this is not the this was not the four movies it could have been that could have been done very well, yeah. Uh, and if nothing, if if nothing else comes out of this, that's good, which is possible. <laughs> if we do get a solo Batman movie written and directed by Affleck, that goes back and does some Red Hood business or whatever, I think that would be a great thing to get from this. I'd be and if very one, if happy woman, about that. And if Wonder Woman turns out to be good, and I'm hoping it is, oh, then that would be something that's good out of this. 
Yeah, there's uh, there. It, this movie was one of those things where if it hadn't been Batman Superman and there hadn't been the pressure looming over the head of it, it would have been an enjoyable movie and people wouldn't be picking it apart because that's the kind of movie where you watch it and enjoy it and then don't think about it afterwards. Right. But instead, it is what it is and... You know, it's it's a different type of madness when it comes to these type of characters and this much anticipation over a movie. And I think, like you said, it was an enjoyable movie if you turn your brain off and actually just go eat some popcorn and watch a movie kind of thing. Yeah. And it, it could have been better. But it's funny when you think about the how much of it didn't work, but it was still an enjoyable movie versus a lot of other things you've seen where... All of the pieces seem like it should have made a good movie, but it still wasn't enjoyable to watch. So at least it had that. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Well, and and going back to our longstanding argument of WB versus Marvel's uh, approach to things. Right. Avengers was barely held together. The motivations were weak. The third act was awkward. The villain didn't make sense. Right. And it sort of worked. But it yeah. came on the heels. It was built on a foundation of solo character-driven stories of different genres right. that really fleshed out the world enough that even though the Avengers movies were weak, you felt like you're watching – well, I'm a, I'm watching a weaker story with my beloved Avengers. As right. The WB version, which is we're going to come up with a bunch of, of um, weird rationales for the group environment – that they haven't earned right and we want you to feel really we want you to feel really intense about it like oh it's flash right and, and 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 they didn't earn it because we don't care even though they're iconic characters that we've seen and they and they want to change them but at the same time they want us to bring our our um our baggage with us right and fill in the blanks on those characters the bottom line is they haven't earned any of the stuff that they're asking us to think are important and if no. dark side shows up in the next movie who gives a shit it's right like, it's like the un, it's like the suddenly announced Independence Day sequel, which I'm happy to watch, <laughs> but I had no need for. Right. And you no, know, didn't it, I didn't spend this time wondering, well, what will happen? And there's yeah, a, gee, I wonder know. what Brent Spiner's doing now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it has that tone to me. Like, here's a here's another um, you know looming uh, Earth you know Earth atomizing event that we've got to deal with, but I barely care because it's not it's not built on characters or you know concepts that i've thought about in 20 years exactly it's been in limbo that's how it feels like so i'm hoping that they will find a way to turn it around and make some more of these movies more entertaining yeah i hope so but at the bottom line was all of these haters who came out of there and said this is the worst movie ever or this ongoing trend that i don't like where these super fans the nerds Mm -hmm. have said you know they've decided they don't like a show before it came out and then they 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 poo all over it in the yeah. media and they never even saw it or they go in and they are are going into hate watch you know, right and they, and they bitch about it afterwards i mean i don't know how oh, that serves that's, anybody that's just that surface so hardcore since the the star wars prequels came out and the internet's gotten as like bitchy sarcastic as it is where it's it's more of a sport to be a dick about something than it being is too to cool. Yeah. Right. Than cool to, to genuinely like enjoy something. It's like being too cool to like it and also being like, you know, well, I saw that coming and I saw this coming. Right. You know, I wasn't surprised by the cameo. You know, it, 
Yeah, it'd be it's, like those we're losing something. Those couple of douchebags that were like, "Oh, I knew Bruce Willis was dead the whole time." It's that wasn't a surprise. That kind of shit. I, it's I just agree. everything has to be that these days, and I just don't understand it. When I saw this movie, I I enjoy picking it apart because we just do that. Right. But the bottom line is, I did go in saying I'm going to enjoy this for what it is, and I did. Mm-hmm. So I didn't come out of there feeling gypped in any way. No. I just was like, well. That was a hot mess. It was a garbage fire is the way I described it to the first person I talked to <laughs> right. at the bar. I said it was a garbage fire, but it was it was a fire. I, 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 garbage I brought my fires lawn- are fun to watch. I was going to say I brought my lawn chairs. So, right. You know, like, <laughs> anyway, so that I guess that's our Batman v Superman. Yeah, <clears throat> I guess so. I, I have to say I'll be interested to see it in that rated R release version that they do. I'm curious to see what they put back in. I'd love it if they add the the dark side scene that you were talking about, that kind of thing. And we have a link to that on the on Robot Dash Kraken, but also there's whole characters that are that were cut out that are brought in, like Jenna Malone's uh Barbara Gordon. So I was wondering in. about that. Yeah. And then also it's supposedly it's not just about more blood splatter, but it's also about you know having more time to flesh out some of the logic for why things happen. Right. If that's true, if they say that. That would be phenomenal. <laughs> but if it's true, it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, we'll have to we'll have to revisit BVS after that release. Because we're gonna have nothing to talk about. No, when that comes out in a few months. No, nothing at all. Something to talk about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, I think that was a suitable episode of uh, Robot Dash Kraken um, dedicated to the nuance of the small art house film Batman v Superman. I agree. Dawn of Justice. Where we only there, talked about the positives. And <laughs> by the way, there was, there was no justice in that movie. We, we didn't even like, get into my hate of Lex Luthor. <laughs> might, that's right. We didn't even there, touch on it. <laughs> there might have been It might have been the dawn of the Justice League, but there was certainly no justice to be dawning on them. <laughs> I, I hate that title. I really do. I do, too. I almost as much as I hate the V without the VS period on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but being positive, it was super fun, though. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I watched it, and I didn't feel like I wasted my money watching it, and that's all I care about, really. <laughs> I, I honestly walked out of the theater going, Wonder Woman was rad. So oh, man, me too. Like, that was the first thing I, I wrote Lindsay when we got out of the theater. She's like, so how was it? And I was like, Wonder Woman kicked ass. I really enjoyed yep. Wonder Woman. She's like, and she was like, how's Aquaman? Because she knows I like Aquaman. I'm like, <laughs> all 12 seconds of it were acceptable. <laughs> He was looking at a drone for a long time. That was cool. His hair was wet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's all you. That's all you got. <laughs> that's right. Cool. Right on. All right, well, so how? So do you want to tell people how they can reach us if they want to complain about our complaints? Or well, there's so many ways to reach opinions. us. It's almost ridiculous. There's the twit, where the our username is <laughs> the tweeter, yeah. the Twitter. Uh, and that you can go to twitter.com and look up robot kraken no dash and yep. you'll you can be one of the the few two dozen that follow us there uh two dozen thousand two dozen thousand yes you can be one of the rarefied first 30,000 people to follow us there Sweet. Uh, you can also go to robot-kraken.com where mm-hmm. we've got our regular updates on news and miscellany. Mm-hmm. Yes, miscellany. Mm-hmm. And you can also find links to download or stream our program. 
There are links to us on iTunes where we would love it if you'd subscribe or review us. Five stars, I think, is the the standard going rate for Robot Kraken. Yeah, five minimum. Right. <laughs> Start with five, but then go from there. See yeah, you yeah. You can, you can always go higher if you'd like. Uh, we're we're generous that way. We'll allow it. <laughs> so, can they email us too if they want to write treatises on how our opinions aren't correct about movies like this, or to encourage us to talk about other things? How can I think they, reach they us can. Out? Yeah, I think they can reach us via the email. Uh, you can go to salty. You can write to us at salty at robot dash kraken dot com. It has the dash okay. in there, right? It does. It yes. does. You can yes. also write to us individually, and you can write me and let me know how Tom talks so much and slaps mm. himself. Uh, mm-hmm. You can reach me at deeplydapper at gmail.com, or you can write Tom and let him know how he should stop slapping himself. No, no. Or I'm not. Trying to, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to turn over a new leaf with the swearing. Maybe every time you swear, you should eat a cookie. <laughs> I don't think it'll work the right. I don't think it means what you're that doing. doesn't that doesn't work the way it's supposed to. Oh, so, uh, Tom, well, <laughs> Tom at thirdraildesignlab.com. Yes, yes, and Tom is spelled T H O M. For it's those of you trying to write and being like, "Why is this coming back?" No, Tom. <laughs> That's right. Which happens all the time, I know. I'm sure. There are so many people that are discouraged by their long treatsy that they wrote you that they spelled the Tom T O M. When when Haley when Haley Atwell wanted to be on our show, she kept emailing T O M at their real design. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Why we didn't hear I, I'm her. guarantee that's what happened there, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a clear miss there. We should have given her my address instead of yours. <laughs> She's like Dipply Dapper. I don't know what a Dipply, Dipply Dipper. Yeah. Dapper Dipper. That so sounds what, like what some you... sort of classy ice cream shop. <laughs> classy is not the word I'd use. So, uh, what are we going to talk about next time? Good lord, man! I, I'm hoping Daredevil. Daredevil. It's going to be. Daredevil. I think that should be the plan. Yeah. We wet our whistle with Batman v Superman, but there'll be some real opinions when it comes to Daredevil. <laughs> right. We'll have a more, we'll have a more in-depth conversation about Daredevil. Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll go three and a half hours minimum. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cool. Well, I think that well, great. brings us to a close. I guess it's time to put the robot Kraken back in its cage for a week. Can you do that? Yeah, I think you can. How do you, how do you recover a, a Kraken that's been released? I think we we need to get Liam Neeson on that. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Bring oh, back well. the Kraken! <laughs> I get the feeling that if you put a reasonable amount of money in front of him, he would do that, though. It's very possible. He seems pretty liberal with event. his allowances there. Maybe well, I, we just need to, to, to track it. down some, some people at cons and have them record. That would actually be pretty fun. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> hey, that's an idea. Dude record different people saying that there are famous line and yes. uh, promise them the fame they won't get. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. I would feel very validated if we did that. We should do it. We should. It's a but plan. But not at the Gen Com, not at the Gen Com of North North <laughs> North Left Idaho. Boise's a big town, man. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Screw you, uh, California. <laughs> on that note, I'm going to go I'm going to go nibble on some uh, sun-dried tomato and some feta. So, yeah, I'm going to go eat a potato and yeah. milk a cow. I see what's been done there. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Have a good night, everyone. This press conference must be brief, ladies and gentlemen. You're lucky the dynamic duo will talk to you at all.